Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head to head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's abhorrently affluent altercation. So, on Monday's episode, we peered through the looking glasses and we did not like what we saw in They Live. Blinded us to the truth! Take a look. They are safe, as long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are or where they came from, but we gotta stop them! And talking of things you can never unsee, today we're off to Beverly Hills, because that's where I want to be. Until we find out that despite the fact we've all probably been to parties that have got a little out of hand, we've never been to a party where a hand comes out of a mouth. From 1989, we're talking society. Beverly Hills is known as a society of wealth and privilege. He thinks everyone is out to get him. He believes he's seeing things. Bad things beyond reality. Is it just his imagination? I'm not paranoid. All my fears are real. Or has Billy uncovered something terrible? Something unspeakable? Don't go home, Billy. What, you've been living with these people all your life and you didn't know anything about this? If you don't follow the rules, Billy, bad things happen. You know you'll make such a great contribution to society. We'll have a champion at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Putters. How do you like your tea? Cream, sugar, or do you want me to pee in it? I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Uh, very quickly, I'm going to do it at the top of the show. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't subscribed to us or given us a little review, if you would be kind enough to do that on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods, it would be massively appreciated by the three of us. And if you are able to give us a little rating or review, that would be awesome too. So thank you very much in advance of that. Uh, looking ahead before we get into society, Chris, January. 
January. I will. I will also say we've got an Instagram now, so do follow us on Instagram. Fun happening there. But yeah, December and January. Right. December. We're going to do a bonus show that goes out on Boxing Day, and we'll be looking back at the year, looking back at past pods. We'll be looking back at our films of the year, and we want your questions as well. Is there anything you want us to answer? Anything you want us to talk about? Are there any miscarriages of justice that you would like to see discussed within the confines of the podcast? No, just generally. No, <laughs> just generally. No. In life, no, really. After after Monday's episode, are we? <laughs> <laughs> All right, easy Alice shows. Um, so uh, yes, there's that, and then January, we want you to pick the films. Um, so email us. We've got a bunch already stacked up in that account. Show at clashpod.com. Um, you've sent us lots of great uh, suggestions. I've been keeping a note of the good ones, but send us more. Uh, throughout January, we're going to use your picks. So. Pick a pairing, email it to show at clashpod.com. Tell us why, and we will do our best mm. to put it on the show. Yeah, we will. The Clash Pod is a running Clash Pod for January. Okay. It's exciting. It is exciting. exciting. Right, uh, so back to today. Uh, they Live versus Society. Once again, these were my choices. Victoria was her eyes as we saw the vision of They Live on Monday, which means that Christopher is on the door and doing the guest list for today's high society party. Chris... Take us on a journey. It's the classic story. Boy meets girl. Boy makes love to girl. Girl offers to pee in boy's tea. Girl's mother spits up hairball. Boy's family have incestual orgy where they turn the poor into posh porridge. And now... We'll get to the bottom... Boy's family have incestual orgy where they plan to fist him to death. Boy turns the tables and fists them to death. Boy and girl escape into the night and fist happily ever after. <laughs> so, Society. Uh, Alex, you picked these films. Uh, when was the first time you saw Society? Right, so here we go. Uh, I remember seeing the box for this video, the VHS box for this, on the shelf of Barker's video on Street Lane in Leeds in the early 90s. Describe the cover, because it's weird. And this is what literally hypnotised me as a kid. It is a, a very glamorous looking woman in a blue dress and she's holding her face, but her face is attached by fleshy tendrils and it's about a, a foot and a half away from the rest of her head. Uh, while a guy in a tux in the background looks on going, the fuck is going on? And they could have used our protagonists, but they didn't. They just put some random models <laughs> on the front of this film, which is such a strange decision. And Brian Usner talks about it. He said, he, he said I'm not very good at marketing. Um, because for this film I wanted to use the butthead mm. for the poster and they said no we're mm. going to use good looking people uh, looking <laughs> sexy and weird it but- worked for me I really I really wanted to watch this movie and here's the thing I thought I'd seen it and as it turns out watching it at the weekend I've only seen the last 20 minutes of this. How or why I came to go, I'm watching the last 20 minutes of Society. But that's the bit I've seen before, out of context. That's wild. As a child. Mm. So, as a child, I mean, how young are we talking here? Probably about 11, 11 or 12. Yeah, like scarring, you know. It probably, you know, it's it's infused my understanding of sex ever since. Uh, Vicky. How about yourself? I'd never seen it. Awesome. I'm good. This is exciting. I'll tell you what, it has ruined 
group sex. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm similar to you. It wasn't the video cover, but I remember in in that first year that Empire came out in 89, I remember they gave a half page review to it. I think they gave it four stars. Mm. And just reading that really made me intrigued by this film. But at the time, I was still being a wet pants. I still wasn't watching my horror films. So it wasn't until I was about 15 or 16 that I finally saw it and it blew my mind. In a good way? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it stayed with me. It's And it's it's cool because it's one of those horror films. It was never really a hit. Uh, it doesn't get talked about very often. So it's a cool thing that you can suggest <laughs> to people when they're saying, oh, I want a weird horror film. Or when people are asking for recommendations, I often say, if you, if you can stomach it, give society <laughs> a watch because it's wild. Yeah. Wild is the way to describe it. <laughs> it's wild. So should we talk about the film? Yeah. Uh, this is the work of director Brian Usner, who uh, was involved in the Reanimator uh, movies, and we'll have to do Reanimator at some point. Alex and I are both big fans of that one. Stuart Gordon! Stuart Gordon. So uh, Usner produced that, but he said that he realised quickly that the director gets all the credit, so he wanted to give that a go. <laughs> um, and he did a deal, uh, not too dissimilar to Carpenter's one, but his deal here was that um, he would direct Bride of Reanimator. And so he spoke to a company called Wild Street and said, let's make two movies, uh, one for me, and then I'll do Bride of Reanimator for you. So that he knew that if his film failed, he would still get to make the second film because that was a banker. Uh, this blew my mind when I was doing my research. Uh, the producer on this film, who he teamed up with to get the funding, was a guy called Keith Wally. Um, who had previously been a professional footballer and his only professional team, he made seven appearances for Crystal Palace. No! So I've got this weird connection to... There's not much else about him online, but um, but Brian Usner mentioned it. And yeah, you can see uh, there's a Crystal Palace website that's got him seven appearances in the early 70s. Eagles! Um, uh, but at the same time as Brian Usner... I'm not allowed to talk about Infowars. He can't talk about Crystal Palace. Yeah, but I'm done now. Right. Uh, but while he was doing this deal, Yusner, uh, he was also working with Dan O'Bannon, our old friend who wrote Alien and wrote Dark Star. Uh, and O'Bannon had an idea to make a movie called The Men, in which a woman discovers that all men are aliens. That's cool. Do you like that? Do you like that concept, Vicky? Yeah. I've Do you got... sometimes feel like that in this room? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I've got really obsessed with like what. So like, I loved Get Out, and like, what would be the equivalent if you were going to do like, you know, you. You go somewhere with your friend because you trust her and then you're thrust into like the lion's den and what the equivalent would be. And it's just a, a take on um, men using women in that way. But I couldn't think what would be like the the setting unless it was those, you know, those horrible events where you have to be like a corporate hostess. And mm. what was that famous event at, at, that, at the whatever hotel, the Park Lane Hotel? And it's like, yes, yeah, it's yeah. a fundraiser and yeah. you're there to be a cocktail waitress. But the unspoken nonsense going on is that if someone wants to grab your ass, they can kind of thing. And then they would eat them. Yeah, it blew my mind. When and I would go to convention and there was there was a job that was booth babe. Great. Where you'd hang out at the booths and just be a babe oh. handing out stuff. And it was like, that's a job? Yeah. It's like the tequila girls in Tequila bars. girls, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, O'Bannon was writing this, Yusna was producing it and Stuart Gordon was directing it. That was the plan. But then um, Dan O'Bannon dropped out around the time they got the funding. Uh, Stuart Gordon disappeared and um, at that moment, Rick Fry... Uh, a screenwriter showed uh, Brian a script he'd written called Society. He'd written it with his friend Woody Keith. Um, Woody was a Beverly Hills kid who didn't trust his parent circle, <laughs> felt that there was something weird going on, um, had this paranoia. And and Yusna said that he just transposed the paranoia and the atmosphere and the themes of the men to society. The men never happened. And so it 
became part of uh, the Society screenplay. But the original script, uh, the, uh, the Society was all based around a blood cult. That was the hook. Hmm. He didn't like that. Uh, Brian using that, and you can see from the films he's done since, he likes the surreal. And so he wanted to change it, uh, to make it less predictable. And so um, he said he'd read recently that incest was an industry taboo. Mm. So he felt like doing incest. Also, a wider taboo as well. It's not just like movie sure. execs hate it, but everyone else is like, oh no, we do that all the time. It was weird. Apart from swearing, when I was first starting out in TV, you had to go to those crazy meetings where people went, so these are the things you just, these are the red flags uh-huh. for what you cannot say or talk about on TV. And so they do all the swearing and, uh, you know, obviously you're like, yes, I get it and feel patronised. Uh, but then uh, the two things that you can't talk about and the big, big ones are incest and bestiality those are the two big things that you're not allowed to talk about on TV okay yeah, and, and knowing quite a lot of horror filmmakers, the one that you, you know, I've talked to them about that, and the one that you'd add to that list in America is kids killing. They do not like killer kids. It's very hard to get killer kid films. You do get the odd one, you know, there was The Good Summer, Macaulay Culkin. Mm-hmm. There's been the odd one, but it's really hard to get that funded. There's something about the MPAA and American Society that won't accept that. Probably because it's happening for real, like, too much in America. But also he was interested in a story about puberty, about transformation about coming of age exploring those fears so he said this is his answer to a John Hughes movie essentially (laughs) (laughs) it's the anti-Ferris Bueller's Day Off (laughs) well I think the teen movie it really closely resembles having done this podcast is, is, is Heather's I think there's something weird tonally that Heather's captures that I think you get in some of the the school scenes in this film there's something that's just off yeah I, I yeah, I guess the cliques that it puts on screen, the cheerleader clique and the the jock clique that I guess Bill is part of, and then the really rich kid clique, the Ted clique. Yeah, there's something very Heather's about that, mm, and, and and it's being played for for laughs, but very black comedy mm. laughs. Mm. Um, and that's about it in terms of the background. He got the funding and he got to make his movie. So should we talk about the film? <laughs> I can't wait. Let's stick off with the prologue, uh, which is a strange thing. Uh, Billy Warlock of soap opera fame and he was just moving into his Baywatch years at this time. Can we talk about why he's not a bigger star? I know. He's so good in this. Mm. Do you know what Amazing. the vibe I got from him watching this it was Michael J. Fox. Completely. Mm. He's got this real Michael J. Fox, a real nice sort of vibe to him and I, I'm assuming because like going through his uh, IMDb and his Wikipedia because I did because I was like why is this guy not massive? Mm. He's so good. It's because I think he just got a shit ton of money working in soaps on TV. He was like... Uh, it was I can't remember. Was it Days of Our Lives? There was another one he was in. Mm-hmm. He was like he's in like seven hundred episodes of it. So I, I guess if you sort of sign up for TV, then you're not going to want to do movies. And and did did were, were people who were in Baywatch not taken particularly seriously? Yeah, maybe I don't know if that yeah. aff- affected you and made you sort of typecast as sort of a, a, an airhead himbo. Kind isn't of. isn't he? Have I got my research missed? Isn't he a skiing instructor now? Didn't he just dip out of acting completely? I don't know. Oh, I'll have to have a look. Uh, I wanted to see what he looks like all grown up. He's so he looks great. Yeah. He looks absolutely great. He's mm. on the, he's on the um, Arrow. I've got a, a, a fantastic Blu-ray and he's on it a lot. He's, he's great. He loved making this film. And yeah, he looks looks awesome. Um, 
looks like he's doing well. So Bill is having a, a bad dream, which involves him entering his house, hearing laughter, grabbing a knife. There's there's subliminal stuff all through this film, um, and so here the door a door opening is not the the sound of a door opening; it's the sound of a scream. Um, and we kind of cut to him telling his therapist that he feels like. His life is a nightmare and he's scared of his parents and his sister. Um, and there's lots of foreshadowing happening here mm. uh, and stating the themes pretty early in the film. So he says to his therapist, I feel like something's going to happen. And if I scratch the surface, there's something terrible underneath. And that's when he bites into an apple and it's filled with worms. Worms! <laughs> he is a ski instructor. You're absolutely right, Victoria. Great. His uh, Twitter, uh, which is at Billy Warlock, husband, actor and ski instructor in beautiful Colorado. <laughs> Good for Billy. Um, and then we get the Society title card and credits. Um, so what do you think of this prologue? Because I've watched it a couple of times this week and I'm, I don't know if it works. I found it a bit irritating. Yeah. Is that all right to say that? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss an email? <laughs> I found it a bit annoying and... I wanted a bit more complexity with the therapist because he, he makes these claims and his therapist is like, yeah, don't worry about it. Rather than sort of giving it any airing or giving his feelings any sort of... In, that to me, I was like, well, so obviously you're a wrong and the therapist, because a, a real therapist would say, that's very interesting. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah. And on the commentary, uh, when he bites into the apple and it's filled, filled with a lot of worms, um, the, the guy interviewing, Dave Gregory, says uh, that's suggesting that Billy has hallucinations and uses it's like no, that's supposed to be literal, and, right. and then I'm like, what? What? So the, what? This? You yeah. can't get that many worms in an apple. Um, <laughs> you can't. So you yeah, can't. the two problems I had. I watched the trailer just to prep myself for watching this, and it's one of those stupid trailers where the therapist is in it being really evil, and so okay. I was like, well, that's ruined that whole strand. Uh, and B, and what is the worms thing, by the way? Because. The rich people in this, uh, it's never really explained why they are fascinated with uh, worms and slugs. They mm -hmm. spend a lot of time looking at slugs and um, later on there's worms inside one of them. It, well, Yusna puts a lot of this stuff in without feeling the need to explain it. But now you asked me about the slugs. Um, he said he put them in because they're ambisexual, they have orgies and their slimy movement is similar to something we're going to see later in the film. I looked them up. Um, slugs are hermaphrodites. Uh, and I was very intrigued by the leopard slug. It'll hang upside down from a rope of mu a rope of mucus and entwine its bodies around each other. They avert their long blue. They avert their long blue penises from behind their heads and entwine those as well, fanning them out and transferring spermophores. Uh, Basically, picture a very slimy chandelier, and that's how they have sex. That sounds yeah. quite beautiful. Now, say that all again, but sexy. <laughs> <laughs> a slimy chandelier. Is that what mucus. you think your sexy one uh, is? They uh, entwine their blue penises round each other. Watch out, Attenborough. <laughs> <laughs> watch out, Marks and Spencer's commercials. <laughs> Delicious blue penises entwined with a custard sauce. Uh, <laughs> don't cook. I don't cook. <laughs> Is that not a thing? Don't cook. <laughs> oh, um, so I, but I also feel like uh, the slugs and uh, this imagery is has been 
been influenced quite a lot by Blue Velvet that did it two years before, <laughs> but did it much better in the opening <laughs> scene. You know, that famous opening scene for Blue Velvet. But anyway, it kind of, it, it shows its hand a little bit here, I think. It, it's giving you a heads up for what's coming. But I wonder if also over yeah. the credits, you see grainy footage of the climax. And do you feel like that showed you too much of what was to come? No, I, for me, it was good. So this, my as I said, first time, first time viewer. Mm. Um, I was nervous about watching this film because I know the work of Stuart Gordon and Brian Usner and I was expecting graphics and effects that just wouldn't that would just chill just leave me feeling a bit like oh I'm not scared of that because it looks so rubbery and fleshy and whatever else the opening <sighs> credits after the Billy Dream sequence that made me very much <laughs> sit up and pay attention because it's not it didn't seem dated it just was so fucking scary that I was like oh now I'm in like I, I get it now the, the pendulous breast from above just hanging there yeah mm. well in the credits uh, it comes up surrealistic makeup effects by screaming mad George so Scream and George was a Japanese effects artist and this was part financed uh, by people in Japan so they suggested he meet with Brian Usner and they immediately hit it off uh, Scream and George had worked on Predator and Big Trouble in Little China mm. so he had some some industry um, success behind him um, but yeah he, he says that he was inspired by Salvador Dali when he was at school and he immediately once he'd seen Dali's work he embraced surrealism and he was also inspired by American Wolf in London and The Howling. Those are the two films that got him into movies. So I think both those things, but particularly Dali, again, that's going to come back later in the film. Yeah, there's, the, it's the, there's one particular painting, isn't there? The Great Masturbator that inspired him for mm-hmm. this. And I think the work of Hieronymus Bosch as well. That was another mm. inspiration for what they did with this. Yeah. Uh, and so we are into Act One, which I'm calling Suspicion. Uh, what is going on with this family, guys? Oh, I don't know, but I really, really hope that Bill is 100% definite at this point in his head that he has been adopted. <laughs> he must be fucking certain of that. Because I know he alludes to it, like, I think I might be adopted, but he really fucking hits on his sister by that piano. He is flirting away with her. She's flirting with him. He's flirting back. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. And literally, I think something could have happened if she didn't have wet back, which uh, really puts him off it really puts him off which to me watching that i thought what a great tool for a woman to have if she is approached by unwanted suitors say at a bar uh, if you could just release sort of moisture from your back it could deter them instantly uh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking that through. I mean, I, I didn't think we were supposed to read this from his these scenes, but Yuzna does say that, that Billy is repressing his attraction to his sister. Told you! Yeah, that's really... I just didn't... I it's felt so sorry for him. Because, yes, because his, his family's weird. Yeah, and when she's... And it's done... I like the way that it's quite light, light touch. That's his sister. So when she says, could you zip me up? That is... That's flirting. Like, if you ever... You can zip yourself up. The dresses are designed that way. It's difficult, but it's definitely possible. So you ask your partner to do that, or if you're flirting with someone, but she's his sister, so it's kind of all right, like because they would have grown up together. Mm. So it's just a good moment. But that on top of the way the mum and dad are looking at the sister. Um, yeah. And also her, the sister's ex, Blanchard, has been found hiding in a closet, but he's sort of ranting and raving that there is something going on, there's something wrong in this family. Yeah, Bill doesn't like it initially. He sort of gets taken aback with her her sort of pulsating back and 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 the and the wetness and he says she goes everything okay and he goes yeah your your back's a little damp is all <laughs> and she says well 
I'm not going to take another shower. Take another shower. If you're going out to a party and you've got a damp back, take another shower. <laughs> That's like a rule. She's preparing for her coming out party. Yeah. Have you ever been to one of these? I had to look it up. Me too. No, that's really interesting because Mark didn't know what it was either and I do know what it is. Uh, well, they, shall I read you the American thing though? I think, they, I think they got it from our high society. I think it's a very old right. yeah. British yeah. thing to do. A We're, celebratory social gathering with music, dancing, refreshments mm. at which a young debutante is formally introduced to society. So, But you know, you're Jane Austen, you're all of that. You, you've got your, your daughter and you offer her essentially right. to a variety of rich landowners yeah. and she gets to pick or not. In fact, she doesn't probably doesn't get to pick at all, does she? Yeah. She just gets matched up with someone. But it's called a coming out ball. There's one in the new Borat movie, if you've seen that. I have not. I've heard no. mixed reviews. Oh, and don't they have them now for like purity stuff? Like, oh, I bet they do. I bet they do. Well, yeah. like the Jonas Brothers. Oh, yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wore purity rings. They did, they used to. Yeah. Okay, so none of us has been to a coming out party. We're not rich enough. Someone, though, because... invi- someone invite us. We could be the entertainment. <laughs> we could be the, yeah, we could wash the pots. <laughs> I think that should be our first live podcast at coming out party. <laughs> um, so we see Billy at the Beverly Hills Academy. He's competing in a debate. And while he's doing that, the hot girl Clarissa opens her legs for him three years before Sharon Stone did it in Basic Instinct. That's flirting. Clarissa yeah. got there first. Former Playboy centerfold. Indeed. Um, uh, we meet his high school girlfriend, Shauna, who looks about 40, and we meet his high school... <laughs> we oh, meet... Oh, oh, I forgot we've got cameras in here now. I really, really, really want to replay all that water pouring out of your mouth. <laughs> we meet his high school enemy, Ted, who also looks about 40. Everyone looks about 40 around Billy Did at this school. You spout water. Yeah, it sort of went everywhere, actually. Um, what? <laughs> She does. I've got a wet back now. <laughs> Sorry, she does have it. She does have an old woman face. She looks. She looks like she's seen a bit of life. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I thought you were going to come back to defend her. No, okay, fine. Move it on. Um, That's exactly what I said. I turned to Nate and went. Yeah, she's got a great body, but... <laughs> but, but so you talk about. <laughs> I mean, it was the beach scene, so her body was on display. Oh, yeah. She was yeah. on the beach, and I said, I said, she's got a great body, but she's got an old woman's face. She's just not, <laughs> she's just not using suntan lotion on her face. Well, before they head to the beach, Billy is looking for suntan lotion and walks in on his sister showering. Back boobs. Back boobs. Yep. Back boobs. Her back is on her front, or her front is on her back. Yeah. I'm not sure which way around it is. But it's pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which leads to hijinks on the beach. Uh, Billy bumps into Clarissa's mother, Mrs. Carlin. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Mrs. Carlin? I don't like this one bit. Uh, she's a, she's a big lady who seems to have lost her mind. Only bit. Who eats hair? Who eats hair? Yeah. Her. So she's like, you know, there's all these gorgeous girls on the beach, and then you get a bigger woman, and it's, you're meant to be like, oh, she's horrendous because she's not wearing a g-string bikini. But also, in terms of the logic of the film, I don't understand who she is or what what's happened to her. Yeah, 100%. And Brian Usner talks about this on the commentary. He says, yeah, I tried something. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean... no, Because I come up with a theory for her, which I was talk about later, but apparently there's no theory. There's yeah. nothing there. Clarissa in that scene, she squirts because she's like... She is like very sexy when she approaches him and very then squirts, uh, squirts um, suntan lotion in his face, mm-hmm. which is all great. And she is pretty sexy, but she does prove how difficult it is to walk off sexily on sand. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bit silly. <laughs> 
just sort of like her legs go one way. She's like, oh fucking hell! She's doing that kind of catwalk walk, but she's almost <laughs> toppling over. She's on sand. sand yeah. uh, Billy is very keen to get an invite to Ted's party, and the two compete with each other throughout the movie, which makes this 1989's other Bill and Ted film. <laughs> uh, I will say, considering there is so much talk and actual visual reference to suntan lotion on that beach, no one fucking uses it. No. Everyone is so red in that scene. <laughs> I don't know whether they were shooting for a long time, but people are really red. Billy looks ill. <laughs> uh, and this is when we get uh, our first real indication that something terrible is happening. Uh, Blanchard finds Bill on the beach and plays him a recording of his family having what sounds like an orgy. We hear them say, first we dine, then copulation. Someone your own age first, then your mother and me, then in comes the host. Uh, you hear these ungodly noises on the tape. Um, Billy's doing lots of face acting here. He is. He's a good face actor. Um, and then you hear them say, it's so much fun seeing how far you can stretch. The hotter and wetter you are, the further you can go. It's great. Uh, this is some dark stuff. sexy. This is some dark <laughs> stuff. This is some dark stuff. So are we meant to assume in that on the recording? Because there is also, as well as all the, mm, oh, mm, there is someone going, ah! in the background so they've got a victim at that coming out party but we don't meet them no right no um, and so you know we get in the machinations of the plot it's all a bit pointless until we get to the ending but we'll go through it anyway he takes the tape to a therapist um, and the next day and it, and, it, and it doesn't sound like what he thought it was he gets told off he gets told you have to accept society's rules of privacy if you don't follow the rules bad things happen some people make the rules and some people follow the rules it's a question of what you're born to do mm. I mean he really he really tells Billy what's going to happen to him he says you really deserve what's going to happen to you yeah and then he says you're going to make an important contribution to society yep it's all it's all there yeah. uh blanchard gets killed in a car crash um or does he uh and billy makes it to ted the tycoon ferguson's party um yeah shown is a bit of a dick about this bill's girlfriend because like she breaks up with him she's like can you get me an invite to ted's party and he's like no not really ted hates me and she's like that's it we should see other people and then he goes off and boinks clarissa and she's like how dare you it's the preamble for friends we were on a break <laughs> indeed he does uh boink uh clarissa and then he looks at her from the floor she's on the bed and her Arms are the wrong. She's back to front. She's got an extra arm. Has she? That's what it looks like. She's got an extra arm at one point, and then yeah, uh, then when she's lying on the bed alone, she's back to front. Sexy. Did anybody else think he was a virgin? Because I read that into that scene. Although he does very well for a virgin, but she she makes mention of him being a virgin. Yeah, she does. So is that that's the thing? He was a virgin until that point. She makes she makes some weird comment about the timing of his virginity of when he lost his virginity. So I don't think it's one hundred percent clear that this is him losing his okay. virginity. I understand that she is designed to be a very sexual character, obviously. I would think so. But there's a point where you go, I oh, just give it a fucking rest. Like when he's been pushed into the pool and he comes out and he's absolutely soaked and she goes, wet dreams. It's like, yeah. all right, get, come on. Yeah. Uh, the actress who played Clarissa, she loved doing this sex scene. She said she had great fun and she Bullshit, loved- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not dismissing her feelings. But like you are, <laughs> yeah, I, I, right? I tell you, I'm using her to technically to dismiss this idea that being filmed pretending to have sex with someone else in front of 50 men is fun. Uh, she says she has fun getting her kit off, and she mm -hmm. said it was even more fun for her because he hated it and he was very uncomfortable. And okay. she said she found that most amusing. Um, 
He didn't want to do <laughs> Wait, it. Wait, are we okay with that? Is she allowed that? She she herself is allowed it. I just think, let's look at the power structures that surround mm. a comment like that. Let's look at the context. Mm. I'm sure she did have fun, but it's just this idea <laughs> that it's it's too much for me. It's too much. Like It's hard work doing something like that, I imagine, and it probably feels a bit tense. That is not what she this said. This is why people have like, these mad ideas about women. It's like, I thought they liked it. I thought they were into it. It's because people like this say shit like that. <laughs> and Sorry. now I think Sorry. you're definitely denying her feelings. <laughs> you only learned that phrase from me. Yeah. Is that not what you spend every podcast trying to do? Teach us. And now I've learned something. Yeah, and I don't like it. <laughs> Um, as you, as Alex mentioned earlier, Clarissa says, how do you like your tea, cream, sugar, or do you want me to pee in it? What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Yeah, she said she found it harder to say that than do the sex scene. Yeah, um, surprise! Then the mum walks in well, and hang coughs on. up. After, after she says, do you want cream uh, or sugar or do you want me to pee in it? His response, and again, without really understanding her line, you can't understand the response. And he delivers it so straight, he goes... You're a class act, Clarissa. That's for sure. And it's like, are you taking the piss out of her for offering to pee in your cup? Or he was, yeah. I don't think he is. Yeah. I think he I actually. Don't think, I think he's into it. Yeah. He's like, I'll park that for later. No, he's shocked. <laughs> he's he's feeling like he's in the wrong place. But, but, but what is? But there's got. Did Brian Yuzner not comment on that on his commentary? Surely that's one what? of the most famous lines from the film: peeing in a cup. Yeah. What does he say? Doesn't say anything about it. I, I don't know. What was he supposed to say? I don't know. Explain what she was going, what, 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 the, what the idea behind that line is. Because these society people are completely messed up perverts. Right. Perverts. They're perverts, aren't they? Okay. Uh, and he follows up with the mum walking in and coughing up the furball. So using it on the hairball, I've got the quotes. He says, I've no idea, but I never reject anything because it doesn't make sense. Inspiration first. <laughs> That's stupid. The logic can always come. And then in another interview, he says, don't ask me about the hair. It's just one of those ideas that never quite came together. <laughs> oh, well, that was a massive waste of everyone's time and money. <laughs> but I do feel like he's a person that sort of enjoys having sort of dream logic in his films where he will just chuck some yeah. real things in just to throw you off and make you feel like anything's possible. But there's a couple of bits in this. that The hair thing for one, and the sort of the the weird sort of pranks that his mate is pulling on him with his blow up doll and the little Ken doll in its mouth, they make it feel like a student film. They make it feel like something that hasn't got a reason, hasn't been thought through, and it's been put in and never taken out. And that just it makes the film feel amateur in that yeah, respect. So those are these red herrings, the, this misdirection all through the film, which I've not even bothered to talk about because, as you say, they just don't work. Um, and to be fair to him, Yusna, he talks about the weaknesses of this film or the fact that he wasn't a very good director. <laughs> he says that's one of the film's uh, main problems. But um, we get the funeral um, and Blanchard's face seems to crack uh, like it's made of clay. Um, but again, he said his direction, he said, I wish we'd done that again because the wrong effect, like his, he said the face should have crumbled and be hollow and collapse because you could believe that makeup would yeah. crack on someone who was yeah. dead. So he just said we used the wrong, the, the wrong. Uh, no, I thought that worked because it solves doubt because later on there's a narrative thread that's like, is has Billy gone mad and is he making it up and imagining it? And isn't an embalmer's makeup might sort of stretch the way that uh, 
his face that Blanchard's face does you know? so I thought that was good because it's like the doubt there that maybe he I, is dead doesn't that that relies on us at this point still on some level having any doubt ourselves whereas I think it's painted on so thickly you know, I don't think you ever have doubt no, do you you know that you know that there's, yeah. the, the, you know that something bad is happening and Billy hasn't gone crazy okay. you never think that Billy's gone crazy so that would work if there was any doubt left to have sure okay should we take a break before the shunt Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I didn't even know it was called The Shunt until you said that the other day. It's only said once, but boy, I got it wrong, actually. Um... I'll say this. I when they say it's the shunting, mm. I had it down as the chunting, and I <laughs> think that's worse. it's worse, right? <laughs> yeah. I think the chunting's better because to me, shunting. I think Thomas the Tank Engine, steam engines, yeah, old railways, but the chunting. I'm like, oh my god, that's disgusting. Uh, chunting. <laughs> but, but before we get to the shunt itself, um, there's some nonsense going on. They sedate Billy. Uh, you get a Rosemary's baby shot, actually, of all them standing over him while he's injected. Did you notice in his hospital room, it's got a sign of like the sort of hospital services that happen in yeah. that room and it's only horrible stuff. So it's enema <laughs> and colonoscopy. No, 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 no. Oh, that's good. It's not that, though. I thought about that because it's it, but they hang the board of what treatments the patient is going to get on the base okay. of their bed. And do you know what it is? Because I was like, I, what is that? That's got to be... Uh, there's got to be a point to what they've put on there. Mm. And so uh, they've put on there and there's a Thorzine, uh, which is the antipsychosis drugs to make them all like, let's go to the party and like scatty. But the other things are NPO, uh, which is the Latin abbreviation of nothing by mouth. Okay. And then the high enema that is written on there, it cleans out the rectum and the colon. It goes further up than a normal enema. 
basically what they're doing is they're cleaning him out of oh. all the shit in his body. So when they actually shunt with him, uh, he they're not going to be covered in his shit. Oh, it's, that's a good point. It's that amazing. A good spot, Alex. They're cleaning him out to have a really like a, a great shunt without. You poop. don't. You don't want shit on your shunt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, you don't want shit on your shunt. Uh, yeah. So he gets home uh, after the hospital visit, drinks some more, hears laughter, grabs a knife, and this is the opening scene replaying itself. Which is then uh, then I liked that opening scene. So a retroactive. Sure. Like, that's good. I sure. like it when we come back round and we understand it through different eyes. What I really like is the fact that there's no, the kitchen is spotless and there's no cooking materials out because the rich don't eat. Oh, they eat, yeah. they shunt, they shunt poor people for their food. Yeah. So that's why the kitchen doesn't have any food in it. So Billy gets grabbed and uh, it's clear that the judge is the guest of honour. He says, I do so love the smell of the hunt and the taste of the shunt. <laughs> um, and we get sort of some explanation of what's going on. The therapist, um, well, everyone says stuff. The mum says, I'm not your mother. The dad says, Billy, uh, Bill, you were never one of us. The therapist said, you, says you're a different race from us, a different species, a different class. You're not Alien one of us. scum. <laughs> you have to be born into society. We're not from outer space. Yeah. <clears throat> but Bill says alien scum to him, and then sure. he goes, we're not from outer space. We've been here as long as you have. It's a matter of good breeding. So Yusna's gone into some detail about what the what the mythology is here. Mm. Um, and he says that the ruling classes throughout history uh, are actually a different species. Uh, the humans have been taken over by a parasite that is able to dominate and take advantage of others. And the shunting was a system of self-preservation in his mind, uh, because otherwise they were just breeding with their own. Mm -hmm. And so to, to mix things up like you would with dogs... Uh, they bring in outsiders to like you would as yeah. a dog breeder. Thanks very much. Yeah, I got a point there from Chris. Like you would with dogs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got a dog, but and he doesn't have his equipment left anymore, so he can't actually breed. But sure, why not? I'll, I'll see if he's up for a shunt. <laughs> um, and the judge says uh, tonight we have a double header. After the first shunting, we'll have the second treat we've been hearing so much about, nurtured by Jim and Nan in their very home. So you realise they've been playing the long game here. This mm -hmm. has been. 17 years, 18 years, they've been preparing uh, Bill for this day. So let's talk about the shunt. Uh, how would you describe what happens next, Vicky? Uh, someone is fisted to death. <laughs> uh, the room turns red to begin with. Um, well, let's talk about the inspiration. It, it was inspired by a movie Brian Usner saw when, he, saw when he was a kid called Dr. X, which had synthetic flesh in it. A guy smears what he calls neo-flesh all over himself, and it gave little Usner nightmares about bodies melding together. And then, as we said earlier, Salvador Dali was also an inspiration. Uh, Autumn Cannibals has the essence of shunting and premonition of civil war um, has the transformation and structure of shunting, those two Dali paintings. And actually, if you look at them, there are serious parallels between what you're seeing on screen and, and, and what Salvador Dali created. So yeah, everyone kind of starts congealing and, and you had a dozen technicians in there, apparently, underneath the human actors uh, operating the puppet centerpiece and they were stuck under all those grunts and groans getting covered in gel and champagne for three days <laughs> so as bad as it looks for the extras in this scene the people I feel sorry for the people underneath yeah right I like how matter of fact it is when uh, it's like we're going to begin and the, the parents and Jenny just sort of take the clothes off and stand there and I like the fact they still put on nice underwear despite the fact they're going to mould into each other's bodies 
Still got very nice uh, negligee. Well, once they've once they've stripped off, they strip Blanchard and uh, the, the victim, and they lick and nibble on him. Um, they start sticking their fingers into his skin, and then they become attached to him until they are one pulsing ball of flesh. I called it posh porridge earlier. <laughs> Toff soup, mm. elite oatmeal, blue blood sludge. <laughs> Do any of those work? Um, yeah, all of them for different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Tim Bartell plays Blanchard he does a very good job uh, he says that uh, when he finished reading the script he drove straight to his agent to discuss <laughs> and he said he said I'm a little uncomfortable with this but the agent convinced him it would be good for his career was it? Um, he did okay yeah. uh, he's very proud of it uh, was he Vicky was he proud am I allowed to say that? <laughs> um, uh, he says he played it as intense as he could and he said he actually struggled after two days of being in that situation he he said he found himself tearing up because it was so intense he said I wasn't acting it was so disturbing um, and that performance Yuzna actually didn't use a lot of it because he said it was too upsetting yeah. so he scaled back what uh, wow. that actor was doing I mean I will say the line that Judge Carter has where he's between Blanchard's or what was left of Blanchard's legs and he goes, and now we'll get to the bottom of this and reaches sort of out of shot up his bottom with his hand and then pushes his hand all the way up his torso. Yeah. And then out think... his mouth. It's the line and the glee on Judge Carter's face just before he does well, it. It is very chilling. I I just, I didn't find it as scary. The body melding wasn't as scary to me as the hysteria. Like that's the bit that was scary. And I, I think it's a good scene. And but it's the redness and the uh, the people the people are, are unhinged and uncontrollable. And I think the director did an amazing job of like directing that big scene. There's a lot of people, a lot going on. But what's terrifying is like the mania, like the the thrill of the hunt and all of that. But the body melding stuff didn't scare me as much as I thought it was going to. I was like disgusted by it. But we talked about this last week when we did uh, the hand that rocks the cradle. And you, Chris, were talking about Curtis Hansen and women that he, he knew in his life saying that feeling when you're on that table of what's about to happen and invariably in those exams, at some point, someone is going to stick their hand up you and you have to prepare yourself. And it's when you said it's the feeling of irritation and powerlessness and all of that. So those feelings, I felt those feelings. And it, to me, it was like a more of a male fear of penetration and envelopment than I necessarily have because I've had to go through certain unpleasant things. Um, so I was scared, but not by what was actually going on mm. from my own perspective. Well, I think there are homoerotic undertones to this film. Yeah. And, and also it plays on those fears because uh, Billy is this sort of outsider who doesn't feel like he's included within his own family. And he finds himself attracted to women, but frequently sees them as grotesque. I think there's yeah. a war going on inside himself a little bit. He might be questioning his own sexuality. And then this, I think, is dealing with fear of anal penetration. Mm -hmm. Um in the shunting and, and he's frightened of it at first but then later on he embraces the shunt and the, and the fist actually empowers him so it's quite I think there's quite a lot going on on another level here yeah but yeah to me it's you know shunt is a real medical term as well what? Yeah, um, in medicine, a shunt is a hole or small passage which moves or allows movement of fluid from one part of the body to another okay that make you feel any better or worse about the shunting I won't lie I'm so turned on right now <laughs> Is no one else? 
I mean, the last 10 minutes have been the horniest podcast we've ever done together. This is unreal. I've just had to go quiet because I'm, I'm dealing with a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that your final word on the shunt? I might take my top off. <laughs> Why start with the top? <laughs> and so, uh, post shunt, um, Clarissa frees Billy because she loves him, apparently. apparently. <laughs> um, uh, the therapist, uh, his head turns into a hand. Uh, we get a scene in the bedroom, his parents, Billy's parents' bedroom, where uh, the mum has the dad's arms for legs. Yeah, but this is the scene that scared me the most. Because of the incest, not all the shunting and the body horror and whatever, I found repulsive in a good, entertaining way. But you know, I texted you and I said oh, it didn't scare me as much as I thought it was going to. And because, because incest is so abhorrent, and we are very much conditioned and intrinsically know it's abhorrent nature, I thought he was going to show us that, and I was really scared because I didn't want to see it. No, sure, there is and- something quite weird as well that they want to do incest more than they want to be at their own party in the yeah. house. The fact that the three of them go off together, they're like, shall we just, while everyone's busy, off, yeah. busy with their Blanchard, shall we just go up to the bedroom and just the three of us get it on? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, wow, even within this depraved little society, you three are so seemingly more depraved that you just want to get it on with each other than join in with the shunting. Yeah, and I thought we were going to see it and I was so nervous. But, but in defence of these scenes, I don't think they're supposed to scare i think this is supposed to shock and disgust yeah i don't think that, i don't think you're supposed to be frightened in mm. these in these i, th- I think you maybe you're a bit scared for blanchard because obviously it's a pretty grim uh reality he's living but um again yusna's very upset with he he loves the work that screaming mad george did on the shunt itself but he really felt like i mean clearly this these effects don't really work with the mum standing on the arms for legs oh, i thought they did I thought they were really good. I think butthead's a bit stupid. Butthead looks <laughs> silly. Well, well it turns out I am a butthead. Uh, but the actual, the, the arms for legs worked for me. Yeah, well, as you say, uh, there's wacky music as the dad's face appears between his own butt cheeks. Uh, the sister's head, you, you, you dashed over that, uh, comes out of the mum's privates. Mm-hmm. And she says, if you have any Oedipal fantasies you'd like to indulge in, Billy, <laughs> now's the time. Uh, but again, the sound mix isn't very good. I actually had to put the subtitles on to hear what she was saying. Saying. Yeah, I know. and 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 Yuzna says that as well. He says, "I'm not particularly clear what she's saying. It doesn't work that scene. He's he's beating he's beating himself up a bit about this film as well. Actually, when he's watching it, um, the judge they go back down. Said the judge is on the floor and looks like a pizza now. Is what I've said. He, uh, someone eats Blanchard's eyeball. Yeah, <laughs> but they're returning to human form now. The judge <laughs> has now taken on Blanchard's beauty mark, which I think is really funny. Yeah, yeah, also one of the more disturbing aspects. Like it really hammers home this idea that Blanchard's just been absorbed into mm. these people. It's clever. Mm. It's clever. Um, and then Ted and Bill have a brawl. Ted seems to know Kung Fu. <laughs> um, he, bat- he absolutely batters Bill. Yeah. Uh, you but- did miss off, uh, miss out uh, Ted's uh, marvellous line from earlier where uh, he explains what's going on uh, with the uh, the immortal words, the rich have always sucked off lower class shit like you. <laughs> and then he licks him. Mm-hmm. And actually that plays into this homoerotic uh, the undertones here because uh, in this scene he he then uh, they kiss each other and it's quite a long kiss um, uh, until Bill grabs Ted's hand and shunts Ted uh, literally pulls his insides out 
and he succeeded. He. Yeah, let's not forget that there was a little bit of a setup for uh, the the film's entire payoff uh, before we get to it, which is the judge, Judge Carter, says to Ted earlier, I think we uh, we may have an opening as an intern in Washington for you this summer, which uh, plays into the very last line after Ted has been turned inside <laughs> out, where the judge goes, hmm, looks like the opening is still there in Washington, which seems like he doesn't really care that Ted's dead. No, and I think also he doesn't really care. I think more importantly, he doesn't care that Bill um, is escaping and has kind of defeated them and that Clarissa's running away with him and the other friend Milo is running away. Um, They're completely unchallenged here, and it's because society doesn't care. Um, These people pose no threat to them. They could run and tell anyone what's just happened. No one will believe them and they'll be squashed. So I think that being the final line, I think it's sort of telling us that, yeah, this is, this is not a victory. Interesting. Bill and Clarissa. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Why is Ted full of worms? Is there an explanation or is that just another little... He wishes, he, he talks about this now, he wishes that it was eels he was full of. He thinks oh. the worms aren't very exciting, they're oh, too small. Oh my God, that would that would work so well. What was, did you see uh, A Cure for Wellness? No. Oh, that's a good film. That's a good film, oh, yeah. That's a good film, yeah. It's too long. I quite liked it because I got so into that world that I was mm. like, I never wanted it to end, but it's great. Uh, and that's the end of the film. Um, so the, it was a hit in the UK. Um, but I wonder if that's because we talk about the class system a lot here. We're yeah. obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And so this plays into our fears and, and, and our conversations. And uh, they flew Billy Warlock in for the premiere. Uh, Baywatch was getting going at the time and he was engaged to Erica Eleniak, oh, who was his co-star. Golden mm. time. And he said that this was the first and one of the only times he ever experienced the paparazzi was coming to London for this premiere. Such a good looking couple. <laughs> um, Italy and Spain liked the film as well, apparently. Yeah. It was hits there. Um, and then it came out in America three years later, <laughs> Did it? which is bonkers. <laughs> and it was pretty much ignored on release, uh, which really upset Yusner because uh, for all uh, he, the film's weaknesses, he felt like he'd really nailed what he was trying uh, to do. Um, but the critics and audiences didn't respond. He puts it down to maybe the film being unclassifiable. Uh, and also he feels like maybe it was because it was a bit clunky because he's not the best director. But he feels like the wild part is what's important not the formal or technical aspects and he feels like he captured what he wanted to yeah um he's been wanting to make a sequel for years would you like to hear about society <laughs> too that will never happen yes please uh it's set in and around an exclusive nightclub in la that no one can get into there's a vip room and an after party and all these levels of elitism in there and uh the the society themselves are arguing intergenerationally <laughs> the older society want the shunting to keep happening the youngers are not so sure about it so there's these internal conflicts but the protagonist is a young woman who is desperate to become part of society and then she discovers the horror and has an opportunity to leave but decides to stay because she wants to get shunted because she wants so badly to be part of it. And so that's the the loose plot that he wanted to make. But he talked about that probably six years ago now and nothing's happening. So I don't think that will see the light of day. I think that's also coincidentally the plot to uh, The Candyman 2 that never happened where a young female detective <laughs> finds out that there's a society on the tube or something yeah. and the Queen is murdering people or something. Yeah, well, listen to that episode. We do go into that in great detail because it is wild. <laughs> Same. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, but although the film wasn't a big hit, the, you know, it's had a life of its own. It regularly tops lists of the grossest scenes in movie history, <laughs> including not that long ago, Empire put it at number one. 
So um, it has been remembered. Any more for any more? No, I'm good. I've got I've got one bit of trivia. <laughs> I'm finished. That's quite vague, <laughs> but I just liked finding out about this. Um, I th- through researching this film, I found out about Billy Warlock's dad, Dick Warlock, um, who was a stuntman, and he has been in a lot of films we've covered. Go on. So Dick Warlock played the Shape in Halloween Two. We haven't covered that, but he was Michael Myers in that film. But he also was in The Thing, Commando, Big Trouble in Little China, Manhunter, The Rocketeer, and The Relic. Really? So well, even though we did John Carpenter on Monday, where does that put Dick Warlock in? He didn't, he's been in. Uh, oh, sorry. He, he wasn't. He like he's been in so many John Carpenter films, but annoyingly he wasn't in They Live, so I couldn't make him a connection. Uh, but no, yeah, six six um, Clash of the Titles films. So well done, Dick Warlock. Just not this one. <laughs> Right. Uh, Favourite scene, Victoria? So, uh, it's right. So it's a toss-up for me between the opening credits where you see, you get a, a foreshadow of oh. what's about to happen because it really shocked me. Mm. And I realised I was dealing with something important and not just daft and that, uh, yeah, it just it really got my attention and I really wasn't expecting it to. Um, but it's going to have to be the shunt um, because it's just bananas. I've never seen anything like it. Um, it's it's long, but it feels like it earns it and it, it, I will never, ever be able to forget it. So there we are. Alex. The shunting. <laughs> the shunting. <laughs> the shunting. It's, if I close my eyes, I can still see it. Hmm. <laughs> there, I just did it. <laughs> uh, I'm going for uh, the shunt. Because you can't not. I mean, that is what this film is. Yeah, exactly. This film is is exists because and for the shunt. It does feel a little bit annoying that I wonder whether because they knew they had that at the end, like they didn't spend enough time and due care on the build-up because the punchline was going to be so like, what the fuck? Yeah, I agree. Because if they had put in the time and effort and the energy into like setting up that last 20 minutes, we would be talking about a real classic film here. Yeah, I agree with you, 100%. Uh, MVW, most valuable whatever, Alex A. Uh, I wrote down the fuck beast. Um, <laughs> what's, what's that? Just the amorphous Just blob of thing. flesh where one human body is indistinguishable from the next. Uh, <laughs> the fuck beast is what I've called it. Uh, so vis-a-vis screwing Mad George or Joji Tani, the, uh, the Japanese special effects guy. Yeah, his name uh, inspired by uh, Screaming Jay Hawkins. He was a fan of his music, so he thought that would work. Uh, I'm going for Screaming Mad George as well. I mean, his... His influence on this film can't be uh, played down. It, it's incredible what he does there visually. You know, that scene would now be done with a bunch of CGI, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? And it, it would not have that tactile, um, oh, just, it gets under your skin. <laughs> that scene does. Vicky, how about you? Billy Warlock. Mm, he's good. Because I've loved him in Baywatch. I was a big Baywatch fan. Yeah, you've been reacting in a huge way to <laughs> Baywatch throughout the show. I never really had you as a massive Baywatch fan. Yes, but it's just our time, isn't it? Like right. when we were younger. I didn't watch it. Oh, it was good. I, watched, I liked Baywatch Nights. I bet where, you did, you <laughs> saucy devil. <laughs> where they were 
David Hasselhoff never slept. By day, he was a lifeguard, mm. and by night, he was a private detective. <laughs> I just think the part really only needs you to be good looking and be good at a few sort of one liners. But the he's good at the harder stuff. Billy mm. is. Um, so yeah, he was a real surprise. I, I recognised him. As, yeah, Billy Warlock. Mm. But I was very surprised by his acting. And it was interesting casting, I think, as well, because they took a soap opera actor who was becoming a heartthrob. And I think it plays on that because his whole life is a soap opera around him. None of it, none of it has been real. And so that's why we get some of these odd scenes early on, because they're, they're playing roles, yeah. everyone around him. And so I think his style of acting works quite well here. Mm-hmm. And if you could change anything, what would you change, Victoria? I've got a few, but they are all under the umbrella of um, it's just structural narrative touches. Um, let's have a few more surprises. So I don't think the therapist should be the you know the actual MC of this party at the end. Like that's so obviously telegraphed from the start. So when he's like, ta-da! It's like, of course. Um, maybe you could make Trusty Milo the actual double agent in mm. that scene. But also there are moments where. <laughs> His mum says to him just before they try to shag him, yeah, I'm not your real mum. And it's like, no shit, you know, his real fucking mum. And maybe we could play on that a bit because that should come as a, why not have that come as a surprise? A, a confirmation of his darkest fears, but also what does that do for the audience? We're like, yeah, we know you're not his mummy, like obviously. Mm. So there's a wasted opportunity. So it's just that, just mess around with it a little bit more. The narrative is a bit sketchy, jumps around, like Billy walks out of the house, comes back to the house there still these monsters nothing really has progressed because it started like that when Jenny's like can you zip me up but that's all sort of cutesy and flirty and so she's starting from the the thin end of the wedge is that right but the parent stuff is just always we're definitely not your real mum and dad Hmm. that's really fucking obvious also I forgot to say did you notice there's a lot of crudités in this film (laughs) the therapist has got a bowl of celery on his desk it's like you monster like who does that Ted Ferguson's party it's just all crudités there's a lot of nibbles in this film. And also his dad drinks Gibsons. So I was like, probably I would have sex with you. <laughs> <laughs> Alex? Uh, I said mine earlier. It's just uh, yeah, it's just me giving the script another pass because there's just so many sort of like mm. weird things that characters do mm. that don't go anywhere. I mean, that whole bit with the, the dead body in the canyon where he's not really dead, mm. I was like, what is this? This is such a waste of time. Yeah, I just left yeah. all that out when talking about the yeah. film because it's so irrelevant. Well, I'm glad you did. Uh, but that is sort of, I just, uh, I'd, have, I'd have paid a bit more attention to the build-up, not just the punchline. Uh, I'm similar to that. And, and my one is specific, though. As it's the key to survival, I wish they'd spent some time making Clarissa's love for Billy believable in some way, <laughs> shape or form. Because I love you. What? Yeah, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It doesn't help. I don't think she's the best actress either, but it does come out of nowhere. Mm. It doesn't seem to be who her character is. No. And, and it is the key to that finale. And so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd also call it the chunting. Sure. Uh, that would be a real change for me. That's... Um, I. A, it doesn't sound as good, and B, a shunt is a hole or a passage which moves or allows movement of fluid from one part of the body to another. It you, makes sense. It might make sense, but you definitely know that if I said, shall we have a chunting, it's far worse <laughs> no, than shunting. Ch- chunt was... Oh, oh no, shunting sounds, Shunting chunder, is like... Yeah. It sounds like chunder. But that's why it's gross, because it sounds like chunder. Exactly. Yeah. If, no. I'm, if, I, if we were standing in a queue at a bank together, you and I, and I sort of bumped into you in with my 90s. groin... <laughs> With my groin. That would be shunting, but a chunting. No, is... shunting sounds more aggressive. Anyway, it's called the shunt. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, well, that's why it's in the change section, Chris. 
Don't fall out about this. That's weird. <laughs> All right, it's a shunt. Fine, I don't care. Can we do the verdict? Yeah. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Uh, so, oh, Victoria first. Do you know, no one in my life ever calls me Victoria apart from you. <laughs> I've called you it twice on this podcast. Yeah, no, so are you too. Okay. Yeah. It's just it's, it's like a, this room thing. What do they call you? Vicky. <laughs> That's my fucking name. Right. Victoria is my name, but right. no one ever uses it. But okay. you do. Yeah. A lot. Out of respect. Out of respect. <laughs> Make me laugh. Okay, here we are. My verdict. Right. So, society. Now, this film reminded me why I agreed to do this podcast, which is to uncover films like this that I would never have otherwise seen, but also to be able to talk about them afterwards with, with people that get what I went through. <laughs> do, you have to? do we need to say thank you at this point? To me? Yeah, no. for agreeing to do the podcast. <laughs> That's not what I mean. It sounded a little bit like... Movies like this is why I agreed to do What's this to piece of shit podcast with you. <laughs> I'm not fishing. I'm just, I'm just stating my truth. It's great that you're here. Thanks very much. I'm not looking for that. Oh, God, you're annoying. Can I carry on? Or do you want to just bitch away? <laughs> okay. However... The narrative, it does annoy me. I said before, it's a bit jumpy compared to They Live, which has a tight structure. But I did hate that fight in They Live. It's too long and I didn't like it one bit. And I think I'm too cynical or just born at the wrong time to really be affected by the message of They Live in the way that John Carpenter would like me to be. So because society is mostly about one family, now obviously it opens out at the end, literally, but really you're following a boy trying to find his place within his family, etc. So it keeps the conspiracy sort of tighter and that takes care of any cynicism. I don't know what other people's families are like. Maybe this shit does go on. And so I, I'm not that, I don't have that thought of like, but I, I see that and I don't get that or I see that and I don't particularly care. Um, so, and obviously because it will haunt me for the rest of my days, I choose society. Ooh. Ooh, society has one vote. Christopher, which way are you going? Uh, watching They Live Again, I love the fact it doesn't feel particularly dated. It, it's a film that's got more and more relevant, maybe. Could be any city, could be happening now. Um, I like, it doesn't outstay its welcome. I, I, I feel like we've seen movies like this before. Like the Body Snatchers movies aren't that far off, but that John Carpenter, his flourishes, his style is what makes it special. And I like the fact we're still making movies like this. If you look at the Oscars this year, I don't think Parasite that's far off. Uh, they live. But society is a true waking nightmare uh, that stayed with me through my teenage years and on into adulthood. That dream logic gets a bit shaky and... It could. I wish it was directed by a master like John Carpenter. Mm. I think that would have fixed maybe a lot of the problems that you were talking about mm. in it. Um, but both films have only one reason to exist. Uh, they live, it's that moment of realisation. And society, it's the shunt. And as good as they live is, I've kind of seen that before, but the visuals in society are so twisted and unique and original and messed up and scarred me so badly. I've got to go with society. Holy shit, I did not <laughs> expect this. Nor did I. Again, this is... Is this the... Is it the third or fourth week in a row that I am in the minority? Because oh, yes. I am voting for They Live. I was always voting for They Live. I simply wrote, loved society, but one movie is the most relevant movie of the two today, and it is They Live. It's brilliant. Uh, they Live gets my vote, but society has won. Wow. 
Again, a bit bored of being on the losing side. It's not at the, a competition. It's no, not, it it's is not a competition. competition. It and is you, a competition. The you, whole premise of the podcast is a competition. If you develop better taste, you won't be on the wrong side. Really? So all the Clash Potters who went with LA Confidential like I did, the majority <laughs> on our Twitter account uh, need better taste, do they, Christopher? Uh, I th- do you see my tweet? Uh, Chinatown. Uh, what is it? The 14th best film of all time, mm. uh, according to the AFI. Did you see this, Victoria? No. LA Confidential in the poll beats yeah. Chinatown. Okay. Hmm? So I'm just saying. No one so- wins from this conversation, by the way. You were trying to like you were trying to pit Chris against no, the, the lovely I- people that listen to this nonsense. <laughs> my I- friends. So, yeah, your uh, actual my, friends. My fake friends. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying maybe one of us is more in touch. You will take the whole thing down in order to <laughs> be to make your point. Is that correct? Let's talk about next week's films. I, I just feel that someone is really in touch with our listeners. And I think that person is me. So, yeah, let's talk about next week's films. Uh, I can pick the losing film from again. <laughs> Go on then. So, Chris, what was the clue you gave us on Monday? I paraphrased a bit of status quo and said rocking all over the universe. So, the movies that we are doing next week, are they um, are they as niche as society? <laughs> no, I've gone a bit more mainstream, if I'm honest. I think, uh, again, apologies for anyone who has watched Society for the first time. I'm going to make them more family-friendly next okay. week. Okay, okay. Uh, um, so, Vicky, from 1980, you have Flash Gordon. Great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which actually does have some weird stuff in it, some weird sex stuff going on. And Alex, from 2014, you have Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Okay. Hello. Um, so, okay. And for people in the UK, uh, Flash Gordon is on Sky and it's available to rent on Amazon. And Guardians of the Galaxy is on Disney Plus and it's also available to rent on Amazon. Amazing news. That's great. I'm happy about this. Guardians of the Galaxy. Love it. So Guardians of the Galaxy versus Flash Gordon. Those are next week's movies. Uh, Get watching. Uh, We'll be back on Monday to start with Flash Gordon. In the meantime, please do subscribe to us and rate and review us if you can, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or other. Congratulations to society. Another surprising win, in my personal opinion. Let's see what the poll does on Twitter. Back on Monday. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creator Network.